This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, January 29th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. This is how we do it. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who will always support the public purchase of BYUSN stock, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll jump in on that, but uh, who knows about Robin uh, Hood, uh, like I saw on Twitter. Why do they call Robin Hood? Because they Robin the Hood! Uh, yesterday, congratulations to uh, BYU alum, owner of the Utah Jazz, Ryan Smith. Uh, you know, he posted how it started back in 2002. And uh, how it's going. NASDAQ listed <laughs> yesterday with uh, Qualtrics XM. So congratulations. They are a uh, sponsor here with BYU TV Sports, so we appreciate that. So congratulations. Uh, big time. He takes his company public, made $150 million yesterday alone. Nice. And the NBA team he owns, the Utah Jazz, have the best record in the league. Life is good L- for Ryan L- L- Smith. Life's good for Brother Smith. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Well deserved. Uh, here's your show lineup. How many dings can the BYU basketball win-loss record take before it becomes a real dent in their NCAA tournament resume? The loss at Pepperdine, like we told you yesterday, didn't have much of an impact, it would seem. Why is that? We'll talk with Brian Bennett, college basketball insider for The Athletic. Plus, Mark Pope's plan to get fans back in the Marriott Center. Why is Dutch center Matt Harms can never tell a lie? And we spin the wheel of consequence. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Bracketology update. BYU stays a ninth seed in Joe Lenardi's bracket. Meanwhile, the Cougars are a nine and a fresh bracket from Brian Bennett of The Athletic. We'll talk to him coming up. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports drops the Cougars to an 11. Tomorrow, BYU hosts Pacific, the University of the Whole Ocean, in a rescheduled game replacing San Francisco. Listen to Cougar pregame live 5 Eastern. Games at 6 on CBS Sports Network as well. BYU women's soccer earning significant team and individual preseason recognition from the West Coast Conference coaches. Not a huge surprise. The Cougars picked to finish first in the league's coaches poll, receiving nine of the ten first-place votes. Senior midfielder Michaela Coulihan, sophomore midfielder Jamie Shepard, and forward Cameron Tucker all on the all-WCC preseason teams. Coolahan, by the way, the 14th pick overall in this year's NWSL draft. But she says, I'm staying to BYU to play. And, and in the fall. Exactly. Yeah, so she, Full she, year. she won't even leave till next year. She's also on the Mac Herman Trophy watch list, an award presented to the best individual soccer player in the nation. Keep in mind, the WCC champs are back in action tomorrow night with an exhibition against Weber State. You can watch it live on BYU TV from Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman, Utah, on BYU TV and the BYU TV app, 7 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, women's basketball uh, game against San Diego has been postponed due to COVID. This is the uh, like 2,978th postponement for women's hoops. No, it's actually the fifth in the last seven games. Uh, the only, It was a big game, too. The only loss in league and one of two losses on the year was a two-point loss to San Diego. So BYU's next game now at number 18, Gonzaga, Tuesday. That's a big one. Fingers crossed that happens yeah. because that one has already been rescheduled. Right, and and no no finger pointing as to whether it's uh, the opponent or not now because when it was the opponent, we would say, hey, it was the opponent, but when it was BYU, nothing was said. So just, just read into that. <laughs> number 12, BYU Gymnastics up in Logan. Top 25 showdown with a dual meet against number 21, Utah State. The teams met previously 
At the Best of Utah gymnastics meet earlier this month, the Cougars finished second in that meet in Salt Lake City with a 195.7, edging out third place Utah State. The meet in Logan starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. Good luck to the Gym Cats. Jim Fredette having a week, dropped 42 on Beijing and another loss. Who cares? But this week he went for 70, 34, and a triple double, then 42. So <laughs> something happened. Jimmer got mad or something. I don't, I don't know what got into him this week. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Tweet all about it, and we begin today's trending topic with the following tweet. Question came in from Jeff Ringwood asking ESPN's bracketologist expert Joe Lenardi, how about BYU basketball after the flop on the road yesterday, speaking of the loss at Pepperdine? Joe Lenardi responds, as I like to say, a ding, not a dent. And as we have pointed out, BYU remains a single-digit seed in Lenardi's latest bracketology, number nine, facing number eight, Louisville. Jerem, the question now is, how many more non-Gonzaga losses can BYU sustain and still feel good about making the NCAA tournament? It's probably two. So let's break it down. There's a general and a specific conversation here. General is, okay, just overall wins. TeamRankings.com, it's a fun reference for this. Who knows how accurate that is. But um, they say if BYU has 21 wins, that's a 94% chance to get in. 22 is 99%. 23 is 100%. Uh, sanitizer can only do 99.9, but yet team rankings can do 100. I don't understand. And they're 13 and 4 right now. Yeah, so if BYU, which has 10 games left in theory, we'll see if BYU actually plays all those 10. Who knows? Um, nine before Gonzaga. Let, and, and then let's say BYU is the two seed, that's logical, and wins that game and loses to Gonzaga. Uh, in that situation, BYU could go 8 and 4 um, to be able to get to 21 wins. BYU could go, um, you know, nine and three to to get to twenty two. So that includes two Gonzaga losses. So eight and four would be two. Uh, two losses equals to non Gonzaga in this situation I just put out equals ninety four percent chance. So then there's the specific. What losses are they? So Pepperdine became a quad two because they beat a quad one team in BYU. So if it's a quad four, no, that's probably. Equal to like two losses if you have one of those or something, right? I, I would think that if BYU has quad two home losses to St. Mary's or San Francisco or something, that's different than quad three or fours. So Mark Pope has yet to lose a quad three or four technically. Although Pepperdine is 134, you have to be 135 and in to be quad mm-hmm. two. Okay, 76 to 135. So it depends what kind of loss BYU has. But I, I, think, I think two could, uh, could be good. Or that would be bad, but it wouldn't put BYU out. First and foremost... It depends on, as we were just talking about, Jerem, who the loss or losses come against. If it's a quad four loss to San Diego or Gulp Portland, then things get really weird in a hurry, even with just one more loss. But if the loss happens against San Francisco, assuming that game gets back on the schedule, and that's an entirely different topic that we'll hey, on approach in just a moment. Hey, on that one now. St. Mary's, or maybe at Santa Clara, another quad two-type loss, then BYU should still feel pretty comfortable. One more quad two non-Gonzaga loss firmly, and two more is bubbly, and three, and Selection Sunday becomes just a wild mess of nerves. It's still like 77% at like 20 wins, so it's still pretty good. True, but the committee likes 
teams that are playing well at the end of the season. And if BYU sputters to 20 wins, yeah, well, what then if they lose weird. it? Yeah, they could lose a couple right now and then go in hot, winning like correct six of seven or five of seven or something. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Jared, then there's the question of what happens if BYU doesn't play every game left on the schedule. What if the Cougars aren't able to reschedule USF or St. Mary's can't come to Provo and BYU doesn't have one of those notable quad two opportunities remaining on the schedule. Then things can get a little bit weird. Then you really have to take care of business against teams that you're heavily favored against, knowing that you can't really do anything to somewhat pad your resume. Yeah, BYU is good, but they're not so good that they're going to avoid the loss that happened Wednesday. Um, And I I mentioned that, I think, earlier in the week or last week, where I was like, I think BYU is going to go on a run here up to Gonzaga, but they're going to lose at some point. It's always a weird game. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately that happened Wednesday. You just hope it doesn't happen against one of the lower tier teams. So you look at the teams in the net right now. Okay, so obviously Gonzaga at 2, BYU at 37, St. Mary's at 65, so that's quad 2. Um, and then San Francisco, at the, but the road game with St. Mary's was a quad 1 win because it's top 75, right? Uh, but the home game would be quad 2. San Francisco at 83, that's good. LMU at 117, surprisingly. Uh, Santa Clara at 133, Pepperdine at 134, Pacific at 140. So that's quad, well, it's way out because it's home game. But um, yeah, just beat... Beat all these teams. You can afford one more loss. Don't make it a quad four, quad three to San Diego or Portland, and then you're, you're probably good. Um, compete with Gonzaga. I don't expect BYU to beat Gonzaga. If they do, wow, massive bonus. BYU's definitely looking at like a six uh, seed or a seven seed at that point. BYU is hoping, and, and this is kind of a long shot it feels now because San Francisco is eight spots out of the top 75, that their win on the hill can become a fourth quad one victory. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, who's going to be the third best team in the league? Because it's obviously a down year for St. Mary's. Like, Tommy Cousy's the best player on that team. Don't get me wrong, Tommy Cousy's a nice player, but he's not like the big three they had last year and in years previous. He's no Jordan Ford. Right, and and uh, no, Jordan Ford's really good. Uh, you know, one of the best players in the league last year, uh, leading scorer with the only child in the league. So he... Kuzi's doing a nice job, but he's looking around going, who do I have to work with here? And uh, St. Mary's is not the same kind of team. San Francisco's uh, decent, uh, but this league is Gonzaga in a tier of its own, typically BYU and St. Mary's, this year just BYU. Then there's this gap, and you look around, and you're going, okay, there's maybe like two NIT teams here or something. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I doubt the NIT happens um, at all. I, I just don't see how. It's like the NCAA tournament will happen, but it's like, hey, where's some goggles on the bus? It's just like weird um, <laughs> to just have that one, which has to happen because it's a billion dollars, and it's, it's 1.7 mil for every team that gets in. It's a really important thing for a piece of Americana. You think about all the minor league baseball teams that are struggling, having not had a season last year, and who knows this year and whatnot. Think of all the athletic departments that don't have FBS football that makes a bunch of money. Um, and, and the NCAA tournament is necessary for the survival of many of the athletic departments in, in the country, and not just D1, D2, and D3 as well. So th- this is a big deal. The NCAA tournament this year is a big deal for the economy of athletics, amateur athletics in America. And with that backdrop, you can understand why Mark Few and Gonzaga are saying, hey, should we shut it down for a little while? like three weeks before the tournament starts in Indiana so that we can guarantee that we're healthy and ready to roll because that is 
as you said. Even if you shut down, you can't guarantee it. Yeah, Just being home is a risk. Being anywhere is a risk for exposure to somebody else. Unless you're bubbled, there's risk. You can minimize risk. But, like, we didn't have access to the football players this year in person with the media. But you know what happened when they went to class? Random BYU student had access to that player. Random BYU apartment dwellers with the football team (laughs) had access to those players. You can't fully do it unless you just load them into the MTC and you just lock it down. But even the NBA players are complaining about that kind of situation, right? They're not bubbled like they were in Orlando. That worked because you could literally contain everybody. There's no situation that is fully non-exposable. BYU, until they lost to Pepperdine, may have been in the conversation with Gonzaga too. Hey, we, we kind of want to hop on that train and be careful as we push forward, but now I feel like BYU doesn't have that option because they got to win games. they got, right. they got to prove that they still deserve a spot in the NCAA tournament, and their resume right now, even with the Pepperdine loss, still looks pretty good. Number 9 seed, as we've talked about, facing Louisville and Lunardi's bracket, they dropped two spots from a 9 to an 11 in Jerry Palm's bracket on CBS Sports. The Athletic, we'll talk to Brian Bennett, the guy who's making that bracket, has BYU as a 9 seed. And Team Rankings is flirting with BYU around the 9-10 seed line. 83% chance to make the tournament. Jeremy, it looks good right now. I, I don't. Yeah, everything's fine. I don't envision BYU not bouncing back because that's. The onus of this team, that's the onus of the Mark Pope era, is if they do stumble, they come back and they play well, and it's not just for one game after. They typically go on a nice little run after. So we'll see what BYU can do in the nine leading up to the circled, the calendar date against Gonzaga to close out the uh, regular season. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, typically you look at it and you go, okay, maybe that's, this year I'm like, hey, if BYU does, just competes, I'm happy because Gonzaga is so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all about the other games. And BYU's uh, net, 37, obviously taking a 10-spot drop post-Pepperdine was a it's like, oh, shoot, that's a big jump, uh, big jump down. But all, all good, just keep winning. You climb back up. BYU uh, at 37 is a quad one game, uh, you know, when, when teams come to Provo and it's quad two and BYU goes there right now, so... Yeah, BYU can certainly uh, put itself in a good position. They're in a good position. BYU's in a good position. I I didn't think BYU would be in this position last year. I didn't know who we'd have. Right now, BYU's relying on two grad transfers to be two of the top guys. And thank goodness they came. Matt Harms and Brandon Averitt. It is a transfer nation of BYU basketball. Our question of the day. Mark Pope, and this is based on what he said last night on the Coach's Show. You can watch the entirety of it on the BYU TV app right now on demand is clearly wanting some more support in the Marriott Center. Get fans in the stands. Let the boys hear that you're there to, or hear that uh, you are there to cheer for them. So our question of the day is based on that. What would you be willing to do to go watch BYU play in the Marriott Center in 2021? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. At Patty underscore Rick 23 says on Instagram... I drive 10 hours to California and back over an entire summer bringing my Costco pot pies. Dude, I ate one for dinner two nights ago. <laughs> Delicious. The Zach Wilson treatment. Now that's some dedication. Well, if you have Zach's new ride, holy shnikes. Different story there. Uh, Mazda to, to be, a Maserati. Good to be a top 10 pick, I'll tell you that. April. I, says, I don't know what that's like. April says on Facebook, I give up Mountain Dew for a whole year. Oh, 
that's quite that's the, a real uh, sacrifice. What sacrifice? Okay, Christian Williams on Twitter. Wear a hazmat suit. That would be funny. <laughs> well, you could uh, you could do what Utah State fans did after the one student at the Riviera got caught for oh, cooking right. meth. Show up in the yeah. uh, the they they had a bunch of hazmat suits in Logan, which I was <laughs> like oh, I couldn't tell if that was make fun of BYU or that was real. Show up in the Walter White suit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe an RV just in your underwear. Who knows? Is there a royal blue hazmat suit? Can we find? Got to be one Isn't out that, there, right? They're not They're only not yellow. yellow. Yeah, there's got to be a blue Hazmat's hazmat like, suit. No, no, no. Hazmat is hazmat like the very specific brand like band-aid or is that the general term like bandage hazardous materials yeah no like did they is hazmat a did, trademark did, did they trademark this that? is the hazmat yeah. suit you're like i want the off brand where's the great value <laughs> does brand anybody of want hazmat? the off brand of a, of a hazmat, hazmat suit like no only no. the good stuff no i would i'm seeing this imagery in the marriott center of <laughs> there's 2000. like a little slit yes. oh shoot two thousand people all in hazmat suits just going bonkers yeah I like that idea, Christian. Be better than nobody. Yes. Make noise. Coming up, I shall spin the wheel of consequence because I suck at prop picks. Well, or does somebody else making proxy picks? No excuses. Extreme ownership. Okay. Oh, nice. Nice. I can appreciate that. And the Athletics' Brian Bennett joins us to talk brackets and tourney and if BYU really is pacing for a single-digit seed, this is BYU Sports Nation. Off-brand has been. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU host Pacific tomorrow night. BYU Radio, Jason Shepard gets started 5 Eastern. I guess a late afternoon, a dish uh, game at 6 Eastern on BYU Radio and CBS Sports Network. We are live in Studio B on a Friday with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is a writer and college basketball insider for The Athletic, Brian Bennett. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Brian, how are you on a Friday morning? Doing great. It's almost February, which means it's almost March. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Indeed, and uh, fittingly, because we are getting near March, we want to talk about the nine-seed BYU Cougars, that according to where you have BYU in the bracket. Why do the Cougars deserve a nine-seed even after that head-scratching loss at Pepperdine? Sure. Well, you know, first things first, I think the nine to 12 seed lines are pretty volatile right now. Um, But when I look to seed teams, first of all, I'm looking for quality wins. Uh, BYU's three and three in quad one. Um, that's that's pretty solid, especially when you start comparing that uh, and the, you know teams around it. Uh, you know Minnesota is a team that I have as a five seed. They have three quality win, uh, three quad one wins as well. And and then when you look at you know who they've lost to, yeah, the Pepperdine loss wasn't great, uh, but it was a second of a back to back. They've got two really legitimate NBA prospects on that team, and Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards, and they've been one of the most disappointing teams I think, maybe the most disappointing team in the West Coast Conference. But it's a team with talent. Uh, you lose a road game on, in, in conference, it's not a killer. It's only a quad two loss at this point as well. And then when you look at losing to, to Boise, uh, to US, USC, uh, to Gonzaga, I mean, those are all top, you know, easy tournament teams, top 30 teams uh, in my view. Uh, and then some good wins, uh, obviously, over uh, Utah at San Diego State, you know, at Utah State. So I think this is a team that's proved it can play in the tournament. Uh, I mean, where it eventually gets seeding, uh, you know, we'll see. But I, I think it's a pretty solid tournament team right now. 
And that's the good news. And BYU certainly has uh, 10 games left in the regular season, or at least we hope. Who knows with COVID? Uh, nine before Gonzaga. Uh, we, we were talking about how many different losses that aren't against Gonzaga BYU could take and still get in. And it feels like it's still a couple, one or two. Um, what, what do you think? How could BYU fare if they do lose a couple of times against non-Gonzaga teams and still getting into March Madness? Yeah, I mean, I think two would be the most, and then it's it's going to be, you know, who those two are, obviously, or one or two. I mean, the, the one thing is they've played probably all their toughest road games uh, at this point. have already gone to St. Mary's, gone to San Francisco, uh, even Pepperdine, uh, you know, as we mentioned, has some talent. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at games against, you know, Pacific, Loyola, Marymount, Santa Clara, who's okay, uh, but uh, these aren't uh, games that you really want to lose. If, if you lose maybe at, at home to St. Mary's or San Francisco, you know, on a close game, that's a little bit more understandable. But I, I don't think you want to be taking on too much water. I do think the WCC is going to get two teams in, though. It's been a pretty pretty solid multi-bid league here for, for, for many years now. And, and I think Gonzaga's tail is going to is going to carry at least one one team in. So I, I feel pretty good about them getting in. But, you know, if they lose three games, then you're talking about – and go out early in a tournament if there is a tournament. Uh, then then you're, you're talking maybe so, some sweated-out situations. Yeah, then you look at uh, you know a, a third bid, and it doesn't feel like this is a year where the WCC is going to get a third bid. St. Mary's has certainly had a, a tough schedule like BYU out of the gate, but there's just not the star power that they've had the last couple of years in Moraga, and then there's not another team uh, that looks like it's going to make the tourney. So you think it's probably a two-bid league this year? I do, yeah. As you mentioned, I, don't, I just don't think St. Mary's has the has the resume at, at all. Um, none of the other teams really do, and and then you you start to think, well, maybe somebody could win the conference tournament, and then you remember that Gonzaga exists. So that's uh, <laughs> out the window uh, on that. So yeah, I think this is a two bid league. I, I I just don't see a third team at this point. Brian Bennett, college basketball insider for the Athletic, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Brian just mentioned in passing, if there is a conference tournament, let's dive deeper into that. What do you expect the NCAA to do in response to elite teams like the aforementioned Gonzaga Bulldogs potentially opting out of conference tournaments to reduce risk of COVID exposure? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting situation. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. The NCAA is a little limited in what they can do because these are events that are, that are run, of course, by the conferences themselves. The NCAA doesn't, doesn't put on these uh, events, um, so it's not like they can really dictate what they can do. But I do think the selection committee uh, can come out and say, we, you know, we want to see you in a conference tournament. If there is one, uh, I think the biggest issue is going to be teams who might want to opt out. You know, if a Gonzaga says, Hey, wh- why do we need to go to Las Vegas for a week and risk getting you know an outbreak? Uh, we're already in, we're already a one seed. Uh, but I don't, I don't, the NCAA selection committee is not going to want to see that and then see a team like, Santa Clara or St. Mary's win the WCC and have to take that team in. I just think that's a, that's a horrible look for the sport. Uh, it's a bad look for your championship. So I, I do think the committee can come out and strongly say one way or the other, what it wants to see from these conference tournaments. And then the conferences can decide themselves, you know, how they want to want to, uh, you know, approach things because it is the conferences themselves who decide their own automatic bids, not the NCAA. So, uh, but I think some, some stern words maybe from Indianapolis could, <laughs> could help us avoid some bad situations. Yeah. It could get weird, right? Because you look at the amount, a, a unit was worth 282,000 bucks last year. That's about $1.7 million over six years. So if the WCC uh, wanted to, you know, bend the rules and they're, they're not the only league thinking about it, I imagine where you say, Hey, Gonzaga, BYU, uh, and Mark Few uh, brought it up. He said, well, what if we protect those two teams and then we get a third team in? 
That's that's yeah. a big deal. And of course, a couple of years ago, Gonzaga flexed its muscle and said, "Hey, we might go to the Mountain West." Got more of its share. Got more of what it wants with the show unit or the units and whatnot. So it's just it's interesting right now. And we are what five, six weeks out, uh, seven weeks right. out from the start of the tournament, and we have yet to have any stern answers other than, hey, we want you to wear uh, goggles on the bus when you're traveling in. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and the real issue is outbreaks before getting to Indianapolis, right? I mean, if if something happens, God forbid, to a a team like a Gonzaga or a Baylor the week before and they're they're not able to field their full team in the first and second round and they get upset, I mean, that's just going to be a nightmare scenario. So, you know, I'd like to see some compromise here. I, I don't really see the point bringing in 12 or teams to a neutral location uh, this year for a conference tournament. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's never made a ton of competitive sense, right? You, you play an entire regular season, and then you bring your 12th place team to have a chance to win the championship. And that, that's never made a ton of sense to me. Uh, but, you know, I, I could definitely get behind maybe some pared down events, maybe some home sites, and then you bring the top four maybe. Uh, the other thing is you've seen a lot of leagues, not so much the West Coast, but a lot of leagues this year have un- wildly unbalanced schedules uh, playing these back-to-backs um, where they don't get a home game maybe against the top two or three teams in the league. So it's even a regular season championship isn't you know necessarily as valid as it has been. So there are a lot of questions out there. Uh, you know, just just hope that uh, somebody has the answers because I don't. <laughs> College basketball writer and insider for The Athletic, Brian Bennett with us on BYU Sports Nation. Getting back to BYU and building their resume, they are heavily favored in the nine games leading up to the 10th game and the finale against Gonzaga. Let's say best case scenario. BYU wins all nine of those games before they take on Gonzaga in Provo. How much would that impact BYU's potential seeding going into Selection Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a little difficult to answer that question because you have to know what happens elsewhere, obviously, uh, some teams that are currently a little bit ahead of it. Uh, but when you look at the schedule, I, I mean, there, I, if I could be wrong, but I don't think there's another quad one out there. Um, just, just looking at it briefly here, yeah, I don't see any quad one opportunities. Um, so the best you're going to do is maybe add some quad two wins uh, to your resume. And, you know, uh, nothing wrong with those, but uh, those aren't the ones that usually kind of get you that big, big boost uh, up the seed line. Uh, but, you know, let's say they end the, the season on, on a long winning streak, play Gonzaga tough at home, um, and, you know, they end up with, what, 21, 22 wins. Uh, I mean, that's a team I think that could be a seven seed, you know, a six if depending on where it goes elsewhere. But, again, right, they have three quad one wins, and I don't see how they're going to get to number four. Um, and there's going to be a lot of teams, I think, that pass them uh, in that part of the resume. Mark Pope has done a uh, tremendous job the last couple of years here at BYU, taking over for Dave Rose, took a group that didn't make the NIT with some talent to a uh, projected sixth seed last year before the pandemic hit. And then this year, BYU's firmly in, including in your bracket and many others. Um, what, what do you think of what Mark Pope has done with BYU the last one-plus years? Yeah, I probably have a different perspective on most people because I actually went to college with Mark. <laughs> we were at the UK <laughs> at the same time. Uh, and I got to know him a little bit there, so I've followed his career pretty pretty closely. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, from a national perspective, especially just speaking from from media, everybody's been really, really impressed with what he's done there. Uh, not only what he, you know, what he did before BYU and then coming in last year. And, granted, he had, you know, some senior talent on that team. Uh, but, obviously, he brought Toulson in with him, uh, who was a great player. Uh, I, I thought that team was a legitimate Final Four contender last year. I mean, I really, really liked that team. And it's a shame they didn't get a shot. 
uh, at playing in the tournament. But then to come back this year and retool, losing those three great seniors uh, and, you know, bringing in a Matt Harms, uh, you know, what he's done with Alex Borsello uh, and just having this team again pretty firmly in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this is a program that, that wasn't making consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament all that regularly before he got there. So I think, uh, you know, what he's done uh, has been very, very impressive. Brian's latest brackets out this morning on The Athletic. Brian, uh, for those that want to read more of this awesomeness and uh, potentially some more insider access to what you think about Mark Pope, where can they find that kind of stuff? Yeah, go to theathletic.com, the college basketball page. You can find the bracket uh, there this morning. You can follow me on Twitter at GBrianBennett, and uh, that's where you'll find all of my work. Brian Bennett holding it down in Louisville, Kentucky. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me as always. You got it. Brian Bennett on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Hey, coming up, Matt Harm's journey from the Netherlands to Spain to Purdue to Provo. Simple, right? Plus, Jerem spins the wheel of consequence on another fabulous Friday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Can't wait! This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Catch this week's BYU Basketball with Mark Pope featuring a look back at uh, both Pepperdine games, head to Pacific, player guest Trevin Nell, Deep Blue featuring Matt Harms, which you can watch coming up in the next segment. Available on demand on the BYU TV app. Weird scheduling for us because we did it last night, and then we're back at it Monday because BYU's on the road Tuesday, Thursday. COVID scheduling. Yeah, be on standby. We, we've got to be flexible too. Absolutely. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is a Friday edition of BYU Sports Nation. Before we get to the whip, we have some business to take care of. Last week, I was fortunate enough to earn an intense, hard-fought yeah, you won. prop pick victory. So it's time for Jerem to spin the wheel of consequence. What's it going to be on a Friday? And Jerem, you have to speak in the third person. <laughs> it's already landed for you. I think we should make a rule. It has to be an original one. There's okay. so many good ones on here. You hate this more than I do. The third person offense. Oh, yeah. I throw a flag on you verbally if you, you do. What, like, what, what you, just said, I? you just said, oh, Jerem thinks that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's get into the whip with the third person in play. Cougar Whip represented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Tomorrow must win for BYU. Yes, it's a must-win for BYU. They can't afford back-to-back losses for the first time in Mark Pope's career. Then, these, then the committee starts to wonder, are right, BYU not that great? If they drop back-to-back games, they should win. Yeah, tomorrow is a must-win for the Cougars and their resume. Yeah, we just outlined that, uh, well, World War One and Two were must-wins, so I hate the phrase. But, yeah, BYU, what, I, BYU needs the win. Jerem hates the phrase? Jerem hates the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next, whatever. <laughs> BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope, no shocker, wants fans back in the Marriott Center. We all do. Question is how? Listen to this. Uh, We're floating all kinds of ideas right now about getting fans back in. Uh, Some um, probably more reasonable than others. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, the Super Bowl is bringing fans in. uh, Frontline healthcare workers that have have, uh, been vaccinated. Um, I'm actually uh, pushing for an actual vaccination drive game where you come get your vaccine and you come in the building. I don't know if any of it's going to work, but man, we're dying to get fans back in this building. You know what? Hazmat suits are in play, Jerem. We tracked down a royal blue one. More on that in a moment. 
So question now is, does Jerem foresee fans at games prior to the end of this college basketball season? For BYU? For BYU. Jerem does not. <laughs> I really want this to happen. I think it'd be great. I think there's some gate to be had. I think fans want to be in there. I think you could do it responsibly. BYU's chosen not to. The all-in campaign could be helped by this if there were some fans. I- I'd love for BYU to I... figure out what <clears throat> Jerem would love BYU to figure out what Utah State and the Utah Jazz have done successfully. Yes. Other teams in the state are doing it. So let's make it happen. preventing it. I want BYU to pull a Boise State football scenario, except actually offer a few tickets to the Gonzaga side, right? Get a few thousand fans in. Even if it's just for that game, the regular season finale, like 1,500 to 2,000 Can it be for every home game in February? What's the holdup? I don't know. BYU signing Raider DeMooney was upgraded from a three-star to a four-star player by 24-7 Sports. What does this mean for Brigham? It means that BYU has one more four-star recruit. It's, Yay! it's great. You know, I mean, it helps the recruiting ratings like a, a couple of numbers. Because that means wins. Oh, wait, it doesn't for oh, BYU. Yeah, well, how about that? Um, so it's it's nice. Again, it, it, it boosts the, the recruiting ra- rankings a bit. But I, I don't ultimately, like, can he play? Can Raider play? We'll see him in four years. Is he going to be awesome? <laughs> we think he will be. Yeah. Luckily, will, he's will only the four-star be awesome in four years from now? He's only a two-year mission guy, which is good, but it mattereth not. It's nice. Cool. Great. Yeah. If, if it doesn't mean wins, I don't care. Dennis Pitta was a two-star, one-star, walk-on. No star? The no star on this show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, BYU women's soccer begins their season tomorrow. Jerem, what are your expectations for the Cougars in strange spring season? Yeah, no Elise Flake. That's a big loss up front with a million goals she scored last year, 20-something, right? But you still have Michaela Coulihan and Cameron Tucker and uh, Olivia Wade's back from a mission. Josie Gwynn is is, is legit. So I I think this is going to be a... This is hard for me. For Jerem. This is hard for Jerem. <laughs> I, I, Jerem expects domination. <laughs> I'm not going to learn how to comfortably speak in third person. It's so tough. I'm going... Jerem will <laughs> just not crush this because this is stupid. <laughs> it's, it's so tough. I know. Jerem I will not get it. used to this. I had to do it. Uh, I expect BYU to win the West Coast Conference again. And I expect BYU to make a nice run in the NCAA tournament again because they've been practicing for a long time. BYU football took advantage of this. BYU women's soccer and women's volleyball, they have an advantage over other teams in the WCC that have been essentially off the reservation. Like, they haven't been able to practice. Yeah, Stanford men's volleyball, by the way, got to campus to start practicing last week. That is that's what, crazy. That's why, the, well, that county... Gnarly, right? Holy cow. Yeah, so I expect domination. Advantage BYU with um, how they've handled things through the COVID pandemic. Okay, Mark Pope gave us some interesting insight into Matt Harms. Matt Harms is will not tell a lie. Like, I'm, I'm talking about he will not. It, and it's such a unique thing. We actually had a comment, and it's come up several different times in beautiful ways. We were actually having a conversation uh, last week where we were doing a charitable kind of act. And so we talked about, hey, just, um, you know, kind of talking about this and talking about that. And that's like, well, I can't say that because that's not exactly true. Spencer, when was the last time you lied? The last time I lied, probably last night when I told my little girl, Sailor, that I was going to take her to timeout if she didn't finish all of her dinner when I had no intention of taking her to timeout. But I, I offered up the threat. 
Is that, a, is that an okay lie? Intention's not a lie. You have to be dishonest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. When's the last time you lied? Jerem has never lied. Right then. <laughs> right, right then. then. Yeah. Just a moment ago. And finally, in three games this week, Jimmer Fredette has scored 70 points. Messed around and dropped a triple-double while scoring 42 as well. Jerem, have you ever experienced a sports week that equals this? No, and rarely has anyone else. <laughs> Dennis Bettis certainly hasn't. Well, he caught a Hello, touchdown Jerem. in the Super Bowl. Sorry, did he have 70, 34, triple-double, and 42? Was nope. it even the game-winning touchdown? <laughs> I don't know. Was it? It might have been. Th- that game was so boring, they turned the lights off. <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I haven't experienced scoring 70 points in a game. I think I scored like 30 points in a game when I was an AAU ball like nice. early on, but 70? Nice. That's ridiculous. That's pretty good. Okay, coming up, more prop picks because this is the thing we like. I'm told. And the man who cannot tell a lie, Matt Harms, is our deep blue feature. How in the world did he end up at BYU after his international travels? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Kayla Coolahan, the women's soccer team, getting ready for the regular season next week by playing Westminster tomorrow in an exhibition game on BYU TV and the app, 7 Eastern Time from Paramount. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station, live from Studio B. Some breaking news to note. St. Mary's Athletics have paused all team-related activities for the next two weeks. Men's hoops. Men's hoops. Men's yeah. basketball. So uh, that doesn't immediately take out the game with BYU, but it's Thursday, close. February 11th. Uh, hopefully they're back on. So hopefully everything's good there. There are multiple programs on pause right now, including San Francisco and somebody at Santa Clara, I think, um, as well. So, man, it's tough. It's tough. Hopefully they can get healthy and get back, and we can reschedule these games. And obviously health and number one concern, but we got to get these yeah. games in, right? Yeah. Let's uh, let's go. And then Fox College Sports, uh, Fox College Hoops uh, had their own bracket, and they put BYU at an eleven. Lenardi also with a fresh bracket out. Has BYU as a ten? As seat. a ten. And that's updated from this morning. Uh, so BYU 9, 10, 11, depending on who you have. Yeah, Brian Bennett said the 9 through 12 seeds are all really volatile. And this the is stock evidence market of and that. The bracket. Yeah. I just hope that uh, we get a chance to watch Matt Harms play against San Francisco and St. Mary's in Provo for those uh, now disappearing potentially quad two games. Speaking of the 7 3 Dutchman, no question he was highly sought after. When he announced he was transferring away from Purdue, he chose Provo and BYU. Why? This is Deep Blue with Matt Harms, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Born and raised in Amsterdam. Two amazing parents, Peter and Martina. My home life was absolutely awesome. I love both my parents so much. You know, they're the most important people in the world to me. He was a confident but really passionate about things. He was 12, and there was a tournament for schools. So his gym teacher said, sorry, you're not in the team. And then a neighbor of me, uh, who was on a basketball club, said, ah, let Matt join us. And he stepped on the court and he loved it. And ever since he loved basketball. So it was great to see him running like a Bambi over, over the field. He really loved basketball. When I was younger, especially like between like 12 and 16, 17, is something I, I really struggled with. I was scared of a lot of things. 
in ways that you really shouldn't be. By that time I was 15, I was still sleeping with the lights on. And if the lights in my room weren't on, there was a light on in the hallway with the door open. It was just fear of a lot of things, a fear of everything almost. I was scared of the world, basically. He was a really smart kid. So at first we didn't notice it, that he was afraid of the dark. So he was very smart, talking around it, very cautious, prudent, reluctant to do, uh, to, to, to do some things. And was holding him back. My parents were extremely supportive of me. You know, they never just dismissed me uh, as like, oh, this is stupid, you just need to get over it. They were there for me. And they were like, hey, we're going to help you through this. We're going to find ways to help this. It was a school trip. So I was with, with school that had a basketball team. We had the opportunity to go and go to Spain for like, I think it was five days and just kind of practice with their, with the team there, which was Dauphin Duta Barcelona. I was just really excited for it because I thought it was going to be just a fun experience, go to Spain for a week, you know, with, with people from school. After two days, he called, Mom, Dad, they want me to stay here and to come and play here at Dauphin Duta Barcelona. We said, okay. And because we knew Matt, we thought, oh, he will be a little bit reluctant. Maybe he goes in one year or in two years, but he, he really wanted to go. When I made the decision to go to Spain, I was still, you know, I'd gotten over some of those fears, but I was still a very shy kid. At that moment, uh, his ambition won over his fear. So this is Maggie, my girlfriend. Uh, we've been together for almost three years at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, we met when we were both at Purdue together. Arms dunks it all! Mark, offensive board! Lindsay had it blocked by Harms! I think that Matt is really unique in that he's really not afraid to move anywhere. He's willing to take those risks and he's not afraid of going somewhere else and trying new places. He's just a guy that loves to play basketball. Here he is, we see him defending the pick and roll, doesn't give up on the play. And he loves it. <laughs> he is hyped, I love it. Recruiting Matt Harms was the odyssey of odysseys. He was recruited by every program in the country. He came down to the final three of University of Kentucky Texas Tech, both recent Final Four teams, and BYU. He didn't have any familiarity with BYU basketball other than watching the great work that the players did last year. Seemed like this far-fetched dream that was just kind of wasting our time in terms of reaching out to him. And after the first week of him getting really excited and him learning more about us and us learning more about him, it kind of turned into this, we got a shot. It kind of, like, this dream became sort of this reality of, like, we got a shot to land, you know, one of the best transfers in college basketball, who, by the way, happens to stand seven foot three. We were trying to think of anything and everything that we could possibly do to reach him, and just hanging on by a thread. I brought my two girls here to the Marriott Center, and we had the crew put up Happy Birthday written in Dutch. And so we FaceTimed Matt, just a quick hitter, and we're like, Matt, you know, this is a day, 24, 48 hours away from him making a decision. And we're like, Matt, we're having a debate right now about which of us can speak Dutch the best. I'm going to look at it back as like a cherished memory, but in the end, it just came down to everything just fit. Everything worked. Like when I came down to it, it was like pros and cons and I had everything listed out and I had an Excel spreadsheet with all the options and all the goods and bads and all the location, whatever. And then I just was like, hey, how do I feel about it? Like, how do I really, truly feel about these places that I wanted to go? And I just said, I can't miss out on BYU. And at the end, he chooses with his heart. He chose with his heart for, for Coach Pope. Uh, and, and the coaching staff for BYU. BYU basketball, 
does sign Matt Harms, seven feet, three inches out of the Netherlands. Here is a tenured guy from Purdue that has gone on deep NCAA tournament runs, including the Elite Eight just two years ago. When they talk about BYU's a couple years down the road, five years down the road, when it's risen back to prominence in the way it should be, I want people to say, like, okay, we had that first huge class of seniors that first year, and then that second year, we had a core of transfers. We had our three seniors. We had Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, and Matt Harms came through here, and they showed that, we were, that BYU was there to stay. That's what my hope is for this year. Hey, Matt, here's a boodschap from your father, jongen. You've been bijna six years on the om een geweldige profbasketballer te worden. En ik ben zo ontzettend trots op alles wat je daar al hebt gedaan. Dit kan alleen nog maar een uh, succes worden. Dag lieve met, ik ben trots op je en ik hou van je. Dag jongen. Matt Harms, Deep Blue. What an adventure to get to uh, Provo. And that was so fun to cover that race for Matt Harms over the summer. Yeah, he was influenced by, uh, you know, both polls that happened during the summer and, and the BYU fan base, obviously, of the team last year. It took the team being good last year for BYU to have a chance because if you have Kentucky in the mix and then Texas Tech, who's been to a Final Four recently, why would you go to BYU? But BYU certainly offers something unique and is on the rise, and Matt Harms wanted to be a part of that. He's been a massive reason BYU's in the bracket right now. Sure. Like, pun intended. The dude is uh, 42nd in the country in block percentage. He blocks 8.7% of all the opponent's two-point shots. Just, what? That's an insane number. So he's been fantastic. He obviously had a massive game eight days ago, going 23 points, 9 for 9. Second most makes in a game without a miss in BYU history to Kresmer Chosich's 12 for 12 in a game. So more Matt Harms. Hopefully that knee holds up. He's got that brace. Keeps getting banged into and falling over, but he's hanging in there, and he's a massive part of this team. I get the impression that as we get closer to March and we begin the February frenzy, that Matt's senior leadership is really going to show up in in, yep. in the pursuit of a tournament spot for BYU. Yeah, it'd be big time to get back to the tournament because last year's team, unfortunately, like everybody, didn't get a go. So this year's team needs to needs to do that because it's not just for this year's team. It's for last year's team, too. Okay, coming up, uni swag and engagements. Plus, our prop picks for the Pacific game tomorrow. Spencer can't wait for that. This is BYU Sports Nation. Deep Blue on BYU Sports Nation is presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the podcast. Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Jerem, good news. You've got a 2 to nothing lead thanks to Jason Shepard's erroneous picks proxy for me uh, earlier this week. So this is a big weekend. I, I need a big comeback. I'm up to or, nothing? Or I'm spinning the wheel of consequence. So oh, let's up. do Pacific I'm prop up. picks. Wait, that, that didn't go for last game? Number nine wasn't? Because we didn't have a chance to pay off the previous Oh, the previous week. one. Yes. Okay. okay. Blame it on COVID. Great. Ben, right, what do you have for go. us? Prop pick number one. More first or second half points for BYU tomorrow? First. BYU's averaging seven more points per half in the second, but I think a big first half will yield uh, a win for me on this one. Um, for me, I'm going to say second half because of what you just pointed out, but there is a little part of me that feels like BYU is going to be mad and play really well in the first half. 
All right, pick two. Which BYU Cougar will lead the team in three-pointers made? Alex Barcelo. He's shooting 21% in league from three after 63% in non-conference, but I think he snaps out of it in this game. If it's not Alex Barcelo, it's going to be Brandon Averett. It's one of the two. It's one somebody from the ABBA backcourt. And the last one, how many points will Spencer Johnson score tomorrow closest without going over? Okay, uh, he's riding high off of his engagement Monday. He's going to score eight. He had 15 at Pepperdine to lead the way. Oh, I hate to do this, but I'm just going to go low in hopes that I win that point. So I'm going to say four. <laughs> Maybe I'll have four steals as well. <laughs> who, who knows? Now watch him go for like 24. Nice. Our question of the day. What would you be willing to do to go watch BYU basketball play in the Marriott Center? In response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Ames Flames says the better question would be, what wouldn't I do? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing I wouldn't do to watch BYU play in the Marriott Center. Which brings us to our rise and shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit and guiding you forward. You mentioned it. Blue Hazmat. And uh, here we go. We, we got a little Photoshop that, uh, that our uh, social media team made, and here we are on the set, ready, okay. ready to rock in royal blue hazmat Tell suits. Tell me that wouldn't look awesome. 2,000 people in those royal blue hazmat suits. And by the way, it was a little unnecessary. Our audio yeah. guy, Dane, tracked down an economy royal blue hazmat suit legitimately on the internet Eight, during the show. 82 bucks. $82. A mere $82. Not sure how much the tickets would potentially cost, but... Hey, you've been saving up. Let's go. BYU could do the all-in campaign. They're like, you know how much tickets are? They're $1,000 <laughs> Uh My, my rights shot as well as that. Uh, Spencer Johnson, who I mentioned a moment ago, Monday he got engaged. Pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Congratulations. Mark Pope told us that on Mondays they will, they will practice uh, late-game free throws, and they will yell the name of the significant other at the person. <laughs> and he said one particular player just crumbled recently. He wouldn't name who it was. I know who it is. I'll tell you after. But just got destroyed. Missed all three. That's great. Our thanks to today's guest, Brian Bennett. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. A shout-out to Annie Amos. We'll catch you tomorrow for BYU Basketball pregame on BYU Radio at 6 Eastern. And for BYU Women's Soccer, live on BYU TV at 7 Eastern. Go Cougs. You look great in that suit, Jerem. Aw.